Psalm chapter number 119 in your Bibles, and we're going to continue where we left off last week. And while you're turning there, um, let me remind you tonight we've got a special singing group from Pensacola Christian College is going to be with us during the service. So plan on being back tonight uh, for that normal service, but they're going to sing a few songs for us. And then afterwards, if you'd like to, I think we're going to go to the Fusacles over in Tillman's Corner and get a bite to eat. So if you want to come get a bite to eat, uh, hang out with guys, you are welcome to do that. Psalm 119, and last week we looked at the first eight verses of Psalm 119, and uh, we are not, we are not going to have time probably uh, in the uh, uh, in our in our lessons over the next couple of weeks to read all of Psalm 119, uh, but we're going to at least get what we can. And so I just want to look at the next. Uh, Eight verses. We mentioned last week that Psalm 119 is 22 sections of eight verses, each one with a header from uh, one of the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And if you were to read it in Hebrew, every single letter, uh, or excuse me, every single verse in Hebrew would start with that letter. So just something interesting about it. Uh, But let's look at the second section of Psalm 119, starting at verse number nine. This is the section uh, entitled Beth. And uh, look at verse number nine. These verses are also there in your handout. And uh, as we mentioned, and as we know, uh, that just about every single verse in Psalm 119 has some kind of reference to God's word, to the Bible. And uh, those are the words that are left blank for you to fill in as we go through this. And so look at verse number nine. It says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And so we are kind of piggybacking, dovetailing, if you will, off of our last series uh, entitled Mastermind and talking about focusing our hearts, or excuse me, talking about focusing our minds, talking about focusing uh, our thoughts. And uh, we said that if we're going to change our lives, we've got to change our thinking. And if we're going to change our thinking, we've got to focus our thoughts on truth. And remember, it's not truth that we come up with. It's not our opinion of what truth is. It's not the uh, opinion of man as far as what truth is. It's not a popular opinion of the world as far as what truth is. It must be truth from God's word. So uh, in line with that, we said this, and this is that statement there at the bottom uh, of your handout. We said we will not get our minds right until we get them in God's word, until we are focused on the truth of God. God's word, bringing our thoughts into captivity, bringing our thoughts uh, uh, into the obedience of the truth of Christ and making sure they line up with the truth that we find in God's word. And we're not going to be able to do that if we don't have a relationship with God's word. If we don't have a constant, consistent, regular, personal uh, relationship with God's word. We said this last week, and this is not uh, listed there in your handout, but we said our struggle with our minds, the struggle that we have with negative thoughts, the struggle that we have with those negative neural pathways that keep us uh, from focusing on truth, from focusing on right, 
the problem that we have with those reveals a disconnect from the truth of God's word. Our relationship with God's word is not what it should be uh, to some degree when we struggle with that. So that's why we're looking at Psalm 119 and uh, going through it and looking at uh, the longest chapter in the Bible and the longest book of the Bible that is primarily focused on God's word. And last week we said that there are eight different words throughout Psalm 119 that God uses to refer to his word. And so we're going through those one at a time. Last week we looked at the word law. We said uh, those eight, we find them in the first nine verses. It's law, testimonies, way or ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, and word or words. All of those words are different references to God's word, to the scripture throughout Psalm 119. Each of them has a different meaning. Each of them shows a different part of God's word, a different uh, characteristic of God's word, a different, uh, a different uh, relationship that we can have with God's word, something different that it ought to do for us and, and how it can help us in a specific and unique way. And as we said, last week we looked at the word law. So just as by way of review, look there at verse number one. It says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. And we see God's word referred to as law. And we said that the word law is defined as instruction. It refers to God's word as giving us clarity, giving us direction. Uh, like a teacher, we said last week, who has a pointer and is pointing to the answers on the board. Giving us clear direction, giving us a clear understanding of what is right, what is wrong, what is black, what is right, what is the answer to the questions that we're looking for. That is what God's word is to us as law. And then we begin to look at some of the relationships that we can have from God's word because it's called law. And certainly these are used interchangeably with some of the other words that describe God's word. But we get to look at these. We said that God's word is wondrous or wonderful. Look at verse number 18. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. We'll see that again today as we look at our next word. And we said that the definition for wonderful in the Bible is always fresh and new. And the wonderful thing, the great thing about the Bible is that every time we go to it, we can always find something new. God can always speak to us in a different way. We can always understand something new about it. Uh, again, we're reading Psalm 119, and yes, it has a lot of verses, and yes, it has a lot of truth in it. Uh, you'll never exhaust the truth of the Word of God. Every time that you go to it, every time that you read it, uh, you know, we know that the, the Bible says that uh, His mercies, God's mercies, are new every morning. So there's something new that we can always get out of God's word. It's wonderful. We said we're supposed to delight in God's word. Look at verse number 70. It says, their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. We said that word delight uh, means that it gives us pleasure. We look forward to it. Uh, like we look forward to having a conversation with somebody. Like we look forward to um, being a part of a, a taking part in a hobby that we enjoy, getting our favorite meal put in front of us. There's pleasure. There's delight. Man, we're just happy to have that. And we ask ourselves, do we, do we look forward to being God's word? Do we look forward to the next thing that we're going to get from the truth of God's word? Do we look forward to the, the next uh, piece of understanding that we can get from God's word? Because that's what it ought to be to us. It ought to be our delight. And then we looked at the word love, the relationship that we ought to have with God's word uh, as love. Look at verse number 97 of Psalm 119. 
says, oh, how I love thy law. And that statement of, of, of passion. Oh, how I love thy law with the exclamation point at the end. And uh, that affectionate relationship that we ought to have with God's word, wanting to get to know it, wanting to be close to it. Uh, just like, uh, again, we used uh, the, the example of somebody who is dating somebody. I dated my wife, wanting to get to know it, uh, falling in love with somebody, wanting to find something new about that person, wanting to spend time with that person. That ought to be the relationship we have with God's word. So uh, that is what we looked at last week. Today, we're going to look at the next word that God uses to refer to his word, to scripture in Psalm 119, and that's the word testimony or testimonies. We find it in verse number two. <clears throat> it says, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. And then we find it again in verse number 14, the verses we just read a few minutes ago. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. So what is the definition of this word testimony? And you can see that in your handout. It is the Hebrew word idah. And it means a testimony or witness. And it also means to testify by repetition or reiteration. To testify by repetition or reiteration. It is, you know, when we think of a, a testimony, certainly in church realm, we think of people giving testimonies in a church service. They raise their hand and they, they're thankful for what God's done for them. And I believe that is a good representation of what this word means. Because we're sharing with others, we're telling, we're recounting to others what God has done for us, the good things that he has done for us, who he is to us, what he means to us. Uh, but you could also think in a secular sense, or, or maybe more properly in a legal judicial sense, you think of a testimony that is given in court. Uh, it is used to prove one thing or another, to prove innocence or to prove guilt. And when God's word is described as testimonies, it is described as a witness, as an account of who God is, proving that he is who he said he is, proving that he does love us, proving that he does have a plan for us, proving uh, that he is sovereign and in control and all-powerful. It is a testimony, a witness to who God is. And so the word testimony is used 23 times in Psalm 119. And uh, again, as we, as we think of God's word as a testimony, as a record, as a witness, a recounting of what, God's, uh, what God has done. And certainly we understand that. So many stories in the Bible of miracles, of God's power, of creation, uh, of God bringing the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt and through the wilderness and obviously the Red Sea and the many miracles that he did there, the 10 plagues in Egypt, what God did in the promised land for the children of Israel as Joshua took over. Uh, the many miracles that are listed throughout the Old Testament, through the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, and the many things that happened there. And then obviously through the New Testament, we read of Jesus and his life on earth, and, and then uh, the apostles as the early church began to rise. It is a recounting. It literally is a, uh, an account, uh, a book, if you will, that tells us the history of who God is, 
and what he's done. The scripture as a record of who God is. Uh, It is a witness of what he has done, what he is doing, what he can do, and what he will do again. And see, that's what, when you read the Bible, you read those stories, and I hope you do. I mean, especially those Old Testament stories of David and Goliath, of Daniel and the lion's den. And those are stories that those of us that have been in church, we've grown up with. Uh, we love those stories as children. We all had our favorite Bible story. Uh, as we read those stories now, let that not just be a good story to you. But let that be a reminder to you. Let that be a witness, a testimony that that God who performed that miracle, who caused the Red Sea to stand still and the children of Israel to walk on dry land, who silenced the mouths of lions when Daniel was in the lion's den, who, uh, 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 who brought those 10 plagues on Egypt, uh, who fed 5,000 men amongst women and children, who calmed the store on the sea. Uh, that same God is still the same God that you and I serve. And as you read the word of God, Let it be that witness. Let it be that testimony. Let it be that encouragement to say, hey, I still serve that same God. I still serve that same Jesus. I'm still following that same Savior. And the same things that he did then, the same power that was available then, the same Holy Spirit that those men had is still available to me. Let it be a testimony to the fact that the same God that we serve today is all-powerful and able to do, like the Bible says, above all that we are able to ask Or think the word of God is the witness to God's ability, his strength, his power, his love, his desire to work in the lives uh, and the world of man. You know, without the word of God, we don't have an understanding of who God is. Without the word of God, certainly we know the Bible says uh, that the heavens declare the glory of God and we see God at work. But without the word of God, we don't have full understanding of that. It is our revelation of who God is. It it is our ability to, as much as we can in our finite minds, our our fleshly understanding, uh, it's our opportunity to see God and to understand what he can do for us. It is the testimony of who God is. So uh, as we look at these, let's just look at a few of the verses that mention the Bible as testimonies. And then we're going to look at one relationship that I want to focus on today as we finish. And so we saw, excuse me, we saw in verse 14 that we're supposed to rejoice in the way of thy testimonies. Look at verse number 24. We, cite, we see that thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And so delight, same word that we looked at last week when we talked about the law. Uh, it says it's our counselors, uh, the, the one who gives advice when we have to choose between two options, make decisions. That's what the word of God ought to be for us. Verse 31, because I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. I, uh, that word stick is just like it sounds. Tape, glue, I'm gonna stick to it. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold to it. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna let go of it. Uh, and that ought to be our relationship with the word of God. We need to stick to God's word. We need to, we need to stick ourselves to God's word. This is what I have decided to attach myself to. This is the truth that I've decided to fill my mind with. Uh, that's what we need to look at it as. Look at verse number 36. It says, incline my heart unto my testimonies. Verse 46, I will speak of thy testimonies. And look what it says, and not be, will not be ashamed. Um, Man, we have no reason to be ashamed when we speak of God's word. And too often we are. 
Too often, uh, we have an opportunity to speak of God's word to somebody. We have the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, but because of our pride, we get embarrassed. Uh, Because of our pride, we shirk back. Because of our pride, we keep our mouth shut. But this verse says we have nothing to be ashamed of. If we're focused on God's word, if we're sticking to it, uh, if, if it is filling our hearts and filling our minds, we have nothing to be ashamed of. It's that, if that's our focus, if that's what we're trying to present, then there's no reason to be ashamed. There's no reason to be disappointed in God's word. We don't have to, we don't have to blush when we think of God's word. You know, we don't have to think, oh man, I don't know if I want to share that with somebody. Uh, I don't know if that, I want that to be a part of their lives. No, we have no reason to be disappointed in speaking of God's word, his testimonies, what he's done. Uh, keep going here. Look at verse number 79. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. I want to be associated with people who know God's word. Verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. And we've talked about meditation before, and certainly how God's word ought to be the thing that we focus our thoughts on. You you ought to take some time every day and focus your thoughts on what God has done. I've shared a little bit uh, with you as far as what I do every day in in, uh, spending time with the Lord and trying to keep my mind right and focus my thoughts. And one of the things I do every day is I'll take some time to ask myself, what did God do for me yesterday? What did he do for me yesterday? How did he speak to me? What did he show me? How did he bless me? Uh, What did he provide for me? And you ought to do that. Uh, You ought to read through God's word and and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and show you what God has done for you. And be reminded of that. Focus on what God has done. And uh, that's the part of truth that we need to feed our mind. We need to focus, fix our thoughts on what God has done for us. Uh, Look at verse number 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as an heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. Uh, That word heritage, we think of that as something that's passed on to me. And uh, certainly, if there's something that you can get passed on from from someone else, someone older, someone wiser, uh, someone that you look up to, and try to get their relationship with God's word. I promise you that successful people, successful people who are Christians have a relationship with God's word. Get that passed on to you. Take that from them. Receive that from them. But not only that, determine that you're going to pass that on to somebody else. Determine that you're going to pass that. You're going to, you're going to transfer, transfer a love for God's word to somebody else. You're going to influence somebody else to love God's word. Now, you've got to do that if you're going to be able to pass it on to them. Uh, but let's determine to do that. Verse 119 says, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. Verse 125 I am thy servant, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Verse 129, thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. Verse 138, thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. Verse 144, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, I shall live. Verse 152, concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast founded them forever. And aren't you glad that the Bible is set? It is unchanging. It is not going to change. The truth that was written and recorded uh, so many, many years ago uh, has not changed. Why? Because that same God has not changed. And that's why we can trust it. 
That's why we can rely on it. That's why you can fix your mind on truth because it will not change regardless of time, regardless of the individual, regardless of the circumstance, the truth of scripture and the gospel remains the same. For everyone in here, this book applies. For whatever you're going through, for whatever your background is, for whatever your difficulties are, for whatever your struggles are, for whatever your goals, your dreams, your visions, that book still applies. And that's what's wonderful about it. Uh, verse 157. It says, many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet do I not decline from them. So uh, the word I want to focus on today, and uh, we find it back in verse number two. And so go back there. And that is the word keep. Look at verse number two. The Bible says, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. And I think that uh, this is a word that we hear a lot. We're supposed to keep God's word. We're supposed to keep God's word. What exactly does that mean? Most of the time, I think when we hear the word keep in reference to God's word, we think obey. We think we're supposed to be obedient to God's word. And I think it's part of it. Uh, but let's look at what the Bible says uh, as far as what this word keep means. And so there in your handout, you can see the word keep is the Hebrew word natsar, natsar. And that means to guard, protect, or maintain. To guard, protect, or maintain. That word keep indicates that we have placed value on something. It indicates that we look highly towards something. It is a word that requires attention. It's an action that requires attention giving to something. Uh, it's closely, and sometimes the word keep is also the Hebrew word shamar, which means to hedge about, uh, to build a wall around, to guard, to protect, to attend to. And uh, again, most of the time when we think of this word keep, we're thinking of being obedient to God's word. And I think that's important, but I think there's more to it. Uh, you know, when if, if somebody goes out of town uh, or, uh, you know, you, you have something valuable that you want taken care of while you're going to be away, uh, even if it's while you're at class and you ask somebody to hold on to it, what do you ask them to do? You ask them to keep this for me. Uh, you know, if it's, if it's you're going to be out of town and you need somebody to keep your car. Uh, if it's, you're going out of town and you need somebody to, to keep your pet, yeah. Uh, if you're going out of town and you need somebody to keep some kind of valuable item for you, what are you asking them to do? You're not asking them to be obedient to it. Uh, you're asking them to protect it. You're asking them to hold on to it. You're asking them to make sure that it is protected. It's defended. It's, nobody else is going to take it. Now, if I ask you to keep my dogs, that is not what I mean at all, all right? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So God has asked us to keep his word. And the word keep is used several times throughout Psalm 119, not just with testimonies. Uh, we find it in verse, numbers, uh, verse number 129. There in your handout, you see it. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Uh, therefore doth my soul keep them. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. We find it uh, in several other verses throughout Psalm 119. But I want you to take your Bibles. Uh, well, I guess I've got Psalm 160, or verse 167 there, so let me give that to you. It says, My soul uh, hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. 
My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Take your Bibles and go to Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And when we read the book of Deuteronomy, of course, the word Deuteronomy in Hebrew literally means second law. It's the second giving of the law. We know that uh, the children of Israel are wandering through the wilderness. Moses goes up on top of Mount Sinai, gets the law from God. When he comes back down, they're worshiping the golden calf, dancing around. Moses gets so mad that he throws the tablets down, breaks them, and so God has to give the law a second time. And so Deuteronomy is a second accounting of God's law. But I want you to see this. Look at chapter number 6. And these are pretty familiar verses to us. But look at verse number 1. We're going to read quite a few verses here, so follow along. Verse, chapter 6, verse number 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Then I may just fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life, bless you, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily, as the Lord God of our fathers hath observed thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by thy way, and when thou layest, liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods, of the gods of the people which are about, round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord uh, thy God be kindled against thee and destroy thee from off, uh, from off the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as, he t as ye tempted him in mass. So look at verse 17. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And so this is a passage of scripture as God is about to give the law a second time to the children of Israel, where God is focused on making sure that they get it. And making sure that they hold, hold on to it. Making sure that they don't forget it. And we find here uh, many different ways that God spells out to them how I want you to keep it in front of you. How about I want you to, to make sure it's in, your, in front of your eyes. And you're going to attach it to your clothing. And you're going you're gonna to write it on your forehead. And you're going to write it on the posts of your house. And you're going to make sure that it's where you can see it as you go out when you come in. And it's going to be where you talk to it, uh, talk about it uh, all day long with your family in your house as you go to work. I want to make sure that you are paying attention to my word, God says. I don't want you to forget it a second time. And then he ends it with making sure that we keep it. Uh, keeping God's word is making sure that we're reminded of it so we can obey it. Keeping God's word, obeying is part of it, but it's making sure that we're reminded of it. Making sure that we 
Think about it. Making sure uh, that it's in our hearts and in our minds. It's our focus. It's keeping it in front of you. It's keeping it in your mind. It's keeping it where you can read it. It's keeping where you can remember it. Uh, God says, I want you to keep my words. I want you to keep my testimonies. I want you to protect it. I want you to, to make sure that it's not easily forgotten. I want to make sure uh, that you protect it so that it's not uh, easily misplaced in your mind. I want you to make sure that it's protected, that you guard about it so that you won't have doubts about it. I want to make sure, God says, that you protect it, that you build a wall about it, that you put a hedge about it so no man can come in and steal it. Because that is the goal of the devil. That is the goal of the world around us, to steal God's word from us. Protection is necessary. Uh, you know, we read, we won't take time to read it, but you read the parable of the sower. When Jesus is telling that to his disciples, and he's talking about how the sower threw it out, and some of the birds came and ate some of it. In one of his descriptions in Luke, he says that that is a picture of the devil coming and taking the word of God out of people's hearts. He wants to take the word of God from you. He wants to take the truth out of your hearts. He wants to take it out of your minds. We've got to make sure that we fight to keep God's word from being lost in our minds. Self, the distractions and influences of the world, uh, good things that crowd out what is better, we've got to protect our relationship with the word of God. Again, we've said this before, but your relationship with God's word will not happen by accident. It will not happen because we just fall into it. Everything else in life is fighting for the attention that you ought to be giving to God's word. And you and I have to fight back to protect that relationship. Jesus said it this way in John. Uh, he said, let my words abide in you. Let them remain in you. Let them stay into you. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we've got to protect our relationship with God's word so that it can work in us. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and stop there today. But let me remind you, keep God's word. Protect it. Remind yourself of it. Now, write it down. You've got a fancy iPhone or some kind of smartphone. You've got the ability to set those reminders and alarms that come up. Set a reminder of a Bible verse that will pop up throughout the day. Use technology to help you keep God's word, and that will be a good thing. Yeah.